Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. Stand with me if you would, please. This is our Bible confession, opening our hearts and minds to what I'm about to say, or at least most of what I'm about to say. (laughs) Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Hopefully, uh, some of you throughout the week would look in the mirror and say that. I'll never be the same again. The Word of God changes things in our lives and, and continues to change things as it works over in us. So I've been doing this series and started it, um, a few weeks ago entitled Believe for More in 24 and and oftentimes when you preach a series like this some people look at it as very shallow or very fleshy or whatever uh, but the reality is Jesus said I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full and so there's never a, a time I'm going to apologize for believing for more when we have access to the more that God provided through his son now, when I say that, it's important that we have a soul foundation on which to handle the more when it comes. Uh, many of us have read stories of lottery winners who the worst thing that ever happened in their life, which they thought was the best, was when they won the lottery. But in reality, their soul was not prepared for the more that they received. Uh, in Third John 2, it says, I would above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So when I talk about more, there is a, uh, a foundation that we must build in our lives and uh, increase the capacity in our soul to handle the weight of God's blessing. Now, you say the blessing has weight. Yeah, the blessings of God have weight. He told Abraham, he said, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. That's a weight. Because what it says is, I'm not blessing you just for you. I'm blessing you so that you can show my blessing to the world in which you live. And so we have to have that foundation. Now, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to read from from the book of Genesis before Christmas. (laughs) You know, everybody reads the Christmas story But this goes way back to the foundation of that story from the creation and the beginning of time. It was always the heart of God when he made mankind to have a relationship with us. That's number one. God wanted fellowship and relationship. And so he made Adam and Eve, and they were in the garden, and they they were not clothed, and yet unashamed. Why? Because there was no impurity at that time. One of the only times in the history of mankind when there was zero sin 
and yet there were two human beings. And you say, wow, two humans, no sin. That's exactly right. Until the serpent comes into the garden and begins to ask questions that either Eve and or Adam were not prepared to answer at the time. And it says in chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. Now, the Bible says right before I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10, the Bible says the thief, which we know to be Satan now, comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. So the idea or the person of Satan has never changed. His plan has never changed. To destroy the hopes of mankind. And, and he begins here in the garden and it says, the Lord, uh, he was more crafty than all the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he begins to uh, plant a, a question in Eve that, do I really understand what he meant by eating from any tree except this one tree? The woman said to the serpent, we may, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So she's having a conversation, and I could go a whole sermon here about having a conversation with the enemy or with Satan, if you will. And uh, so, verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, so what's the big deal here? Well, in our lifetime, we all realize that we're not really that good at managing good and evil. Now, when I say evil, some of you say, well, I'm not evil. I've never been evil. I, I get maybe purely not evil. But you, if you define evil as wanting our own way, doing our own thing, excluding God from our lives and, and the choices that we make, uh, then, then you could say, well, that, that really in essence in, is evil in that uh, we have excluded God who is our maker and our creator. So I came to this conclusion as I began to prepare this message that, you know, we want more in 24, but the reality is most of us need to realize that we want more of God, not to be like God. See, some people say, I just want to be like God. No, no, you don't want to be like God. You want more of God. And if you have more of God, it's likely that you will be more like God. You see what I'm saying? So if my pursuit is to be more like God, then that means my mind, my carnal mind, and my flesh will do things to try to be like Him. And there's, that's not a bad thing, but it's not a holy thing. The reality is that we are to live out of our spirit, not to our spirit. Live out of a relationship with God, not to build a relationship with God. You see what I'm saying? Because my flesh can build. There are a lot of people who are good people who don't even know Jesus. I know people that, that don't go to church. They don't know God. And, and you say, well, they're, they're so nice. And they can be. There is that ability to think and be like 
God or to act like God but not know God. Some people call him Lord but don't know him as Lord. Why? To know him as Lord means that my life is submitted and surrendered to him. And that I want, so I want to know more, I want to know more of God, I want to know God more, I don't want to be more like him. Now, do I want to be more like him? Sure I do, but that's not my pursuit. My pursuit is to know him. The Bible says those who know their God shall do exploits. Not those who feel their God, not those who want to be like God, but those who know God. And so I said this last week, how do I get to know God? And, and, you know, some people say, well, I, I, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you do. If you know how to converse in any language, you know how to pray. Some people think to talk to God, we have to change into this this language of heaven, and the reality is God gave us the language we have. And one of the greatest prayers I ever prayed was, help, period. Then, help me God, period. It wasn't, oh, thou most high, authentic Yahweh, Jehovah God. For thou art the most high God, and I, could thou spend a moment with me, thine child of your creation? See, that was my mind growing up. How do I pray? And, and so what we have to do, and I said this, is to get to know God, I need to spend time with God. And, and during some of my darkest hours in my life, it wasn't what I said that changed my life. It was the silence of my mouth that allowed him time in my life. You see, sometimes it's not what we say, it's what we don't say that really matters. And I'll never forget, and some of you who are maybe more inclined to be religious would say, well, this is not very polite what you're about to say, but I'll say it anyway. I got up every morning at 3 a.m. I would spend until noon because I was going through hell and, and I, I, I was just pressing in. And one morning I'm praying and I, I'm just babbling. I don't know. I, some, and even men babble women if a man ever. Anyway, I'm babbling before God. And God said, uh, why don't you shut up and let me do the talking? You, you mean God told you to shut up? Well, God knows how to get my attention. You see, I come from Berry Hill, Oklahoma. And we didn't say, oh, be thou quiet, my child. And so I realized in that moment that what I needed more than anything was simply to allow my soul to focus on him. I had a lot of questions. I had more requests. I had more things I wanted to ask God to do and save me from and address. But the reality was what I learned in that time was sometimes just be quiet. And be still. And matter of fact, in one translation, Psalm 46.10 says, Cease striving and know that I'm God. Cease striving. You see, we strive. And this time of year, some of you are wrestling with what I can buy my kids and what I can't buy my kids. And I don't have the money to do this. And, and, and you're wrestling in your mind and you're in turmoil during a time of year that's supposed to be the most blessed time of year of all. But it's not what's under the tree. It's remembering the one who hung on the tree to take care of everything we would ever, ever need. And, and so... Today, when I talk about this, I, I want us to grasp the reality. And, 
a, a few weeks ago, this morning, I, I have my sermons in my office, and I, I just happened to have one of them in a basket. And at the top of it, the question I asked you last month's series was, am I a Christian because I bear fruit, or do I bear fruit because I'm a Christian? And those are two very different things. Am I a Christian? In other words, am I a Christian because I do good? Am I a Christian because I, I bear fruit, the fruit of love and peace and joy? And those are things we should bear. But you know what? I can train my flesh to do those things. I can do those things without God. Now, listen to me. Some of you will think that's heretical, but it's not. What I'm saying is there are people who grew up very self-disciplined and were taught to be kind. And they were taught peace, but they were never taught God. And so... The devil loves it when we do the things that look like God but are not born out of the Spirit of God because then that's my flesh. And I don't get to go to heaven because I bear fruit. Don't miss this. I don't get to go to heaven. I get to go to heaven because I know God. That's the only reason I get to go. I know a lot of mean Christians that would make me not even want to go to church. No, I'm just telling you, there are some mean people in the, who come in the name of God, and they're going to clean your clock, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and then on the, conversely, there are some people who don't go to church or know God who come up and say, how can I help you? I believe there's a story called the Good Samaritan in the Bible. He wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a part of God. And yet he finds a man laying in the ditch where Levites and priests passed him by. And, and, and the Samaritan comes and lifts him up, puts him on his mule, takes him to an inn where he could be cared for it and pays for his care. Do you see what I'm saying? That God made every person in his image and his likeness and he made us good. God did not make one person bad. However, our flesh is so strong, and when Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, he was constantly addressing the flesh and the spirit, the flesh and the spirit. And you can train the flesh, or at least we could when I was a kid. It was called the board of discipline. As a result, I have this incredible disease today called respect for others. You get a ruler on a kid's hand nowadays, you're going to prison for five to ten. All for teaching respect. And you say, well, pastor, you're getting old school right now. I am old school. I can't help myself. you got to understand, we, ha- we can train our flesh. And, that- and that's what the world loves for us to train our flesh instead of knowing our God. Because we want to behave and we should behave and there should be consequences for wrong choices. All those things exist for the good of humanity and I believe in them. But the reality is I don't want to do good. I want to be good. I don't want to just want what I want to know God, not just want what God has. I want to be kind because kindness lives in me. I don't want to be kind because I like you. I want to be kind because he loves me. You see, there's a difference in I am a Christian because I bear fruit. No, I bear fruit because I am a Christian. Because Christ lives in me. The hope of glory is resident in my life. That's why I want to bear fruit. Because there are times I'm bearing fruit that I want to curse something. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bear fruit some of it right up in here, but I want to take your head off as I'm bearing some fruit up in here. You know what I'm saying? Be honest with yourself. Sometimes you just look at people and you go, I don't like them. And you're a Christian and you just love Jesus. And I do. There are times I look, I don't like them. I said, God, help me like them. And I think sometimes God looks and goes, I'm having trouble too. I know it's probably not him, but it makes me feel better thinking it might be. But you see what I'm saying? We, we try so hard. And, man, when I first got saved, I was such a mess when I got saved. that I just, I just fought so hard. But here's the problem. I fought against the things I didn't like instead of fighting to know more of God. You see, your focus isn't on what you don't do good because you'll never beat your flesh. But when you focus on God, the things of the flesh begin to fade away. They begin to disappear because now my focus isn't on I don't want to hate them. My focus is on I want to love him. And if I focus on loving him and I get more of God, that means I get less of me. John the Baptist had a great revelation. I must decrease and he must increase. John the Baptist says, I know who he is. I know who I am and I like who he is better than who I am. So I'm going to exalt him. This is not about me cut my head off, do whatever you want to do, but it's about God. I want more of him. This is the thing. When I first wrote this sermon, and it's been going on now for weeks, I said the one thing I want more of in 24 is I want more of him. I don't have the capacity to handle his gifts without handling the giver of the gift. I don't have the capacity. I can go south real quick. I I have this incredible ability to be a stinker. And one of the things I discovered out of about 100 things I wrote one day about, about life was, I'm not near as good as my mother said I was. And neither are you. You remember, your, your moms are so nurturing. You're so wonderful. You can do anything. You're marvelous. You're the best. And I love my mother. She was a saint. She loved God. She led me to Jesus and all this stuff. But, but the reality is I'm not near as good as my mom said, and I thought I was. I was self-deceived into believing I was really a good guy until one day I woke up and I went, I'm not. And some of y'all have never done anything really bad, but if you've never accepted Jesus, you got the potential to be really bad. You might not have exercised that potential, but once you get married, it will manifest. I mean, think about God. He puts two people together of opposite sex with totally different personalities. And I think God looks in heaven and says, Jesus, watch this. <laughs> yeah, you start out all, you know, you're all lovey-dovey. You're in love and, and you get married and she can do nothing wrong and he do nothing wrong. And, and, and you're happily married. Three years go by and now you're happy and you're married and and then a few more years go by, and then your roommates, and then about 10 years goes by, and now you're cellmates. <laughs> you're incarcerated by the choice you made. <sighs> and then you start trying to do things in the flesh to get it back because it was the flesh that got you there. No, I've never heard a guy say, man, I looked across the room, and I sensed that she had this incredible personality. I got to marry her. No, no guy says that. Guy's looking, oh, she is hot. 
She is smoking hot. The temperature in the room went up 10 degrees when she walked in. Yeah, that's, that's guys. We're shallow, women. We're shallow. And, thank you. I knew I'd get an amen from some ominous woman going, dear God, I know who you are, and I'm telling your husband. But, but the fact is that we start getting busy and we start buying homes and buying furniture and buying cars and all of a sudden we we got more stuff and less God. And there's nothing wrong with having stuff, but there's a whole lot wrong with stuff having us. We don't own anything, and if we do, we don't want it. We want God to own us, and whatever we have is a gift from Him, and it belongs to Him. I'll never forget the first time He told me to give a car away. You guys know how much I love cars. Jesus, I don't want to give a car away. I'll give, I'll give a lot of stuff away, but not cars. And he said, give a car to this kid that his dad was gone. And I said, oh, Jesus. And then I did, and I got arrogant. It's like a no win. Look at what I did. It's like our flesh is constantly battling. It's constantly battling us to lessen God and make more of us. We must never arrive at a time where we think we've got it dialed in. I don't care how. You guys heard me say there's no such thing as a mature Christian. And if there is a mature Christian, you're in great danger of becoming something other than mature. We are maturing Christians. The Bible says we're going from glory to glory. That we're growing in God. If we ever stop growing in God, we will begin to be overly ripe and think we know everything. I'm I'm as desperate for God today as I was July 17th, 19... Because some of you won't listen to the rest of my sermon. How old is he? You see, it's important that we understand that we only should be bearing fruit because we are rooted... In Christ, that our roots are producing a fruit. You can you you get apples, but the reason you get apples is because the apple tree is rooted in the ground, and as a result of being rooted and watered and nurtured, it begins to grow and do what it was supposed to do, which is bear fruit. It just did it because it was an apple tree. It didn't have oranges. I mean, if it did, you need to sell it now. Only reason I get to bear fruit is because I'm rooted and planted in Him. I, I, you never have you ever walked to an apple orchard and heard? Yeah, it's not like they're grunting. Come on, you gotta produce apples. Come on. Some Christians go bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. You're bitter. You gossip. Come on, help me bear fruit, Jesus. I hate them. We try. We try. If you don't like somebody, get down on your knees in the morning and say, God, I pray that you would bless them beyond measure. If you can get those words out. You really want to bear fruit? Pray for those who despitefully use you. Don't talk about them. Pray for them. Say, God, I really wish you'd bless them. I know what your head's going. I really don't. I hope you smack them right in front of me. We battle our spirit and our mind battle 
I think so. But, but, but we battle in our minds. And, 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 and that's how come the, the Bible says renew. You have to renew your mind. That we have the mind of Christ. It's available to us. But sometimes we turn it off and we don't use it. And it's going cobwebs on it. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. My beloved ones. This is how the, the Passion Translation. My beloved ones don't ever limit your joy. Or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of knowing our Lord Jesus. So notice it says knowing our Lord Jesus, not doing good for Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach that you should be circumcised to please God. And that was a big deal amongst Jews and, and, and other races and Samaritans and so forth. Circumcision was say, I belong to God. No, you cannot just do something in the flesh that identifies you with God. God is spirit. And, and we are humans. We are a spirit having a human experience. We're not humans having a spiritual experience. We are first spirit because we're created in the image and likeness of God. And so what we have to realize, Paul is saying, they want you to prove that you belong to God by the flesh. We don't prove that we belong to God by the There are going to be people going to heaven, and I'm sure that God's going to put them on your train. And you're going to be sitting there and say, they're going? I don't know if I want to go. You will when you take a peek down below. Graham crackers and marshmallows and Hershey chocolate over the fire, baby. Okay, so, I mean, I just, I, there are going to be people that are going to heaven, and I hate to tell you, you don't like them on earth. You just don't. I mean, Will Rogers was a liar. I never met a man I didn't like. Well, I know he didn't meet some of the people I know. I want to like everybody. I really do, but my flesh interferes. My spirit loves you. And some of you are here just wondering what I'm going to say. Yeah, you're not here for God. You're like, what's he going to say this week? I need something to talk about. I'll give you something to talk about. For we have already experienced heart circumcision. And we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in the laws and religious duties. Listen, man, some of us grew up in churches where, I mean, I wanted to have long hair. This was back when I had hair. I wanted to have long hair when I was a kid. But you couldn't have long hair and be saved. And then if you told your dad, well, Jesus had long hair. Yeah, and he rode a donkey too. I mean, I, everything you could do, you, you know, you, 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 we couldn't play cards because one of the queens was nude. Some of y'all going to go home and look at a deck of cards now. You go buy some at Dollar General. Which one's he talking about? <laughs> we couldn't shoot pool. If you went to a place that had a pool table, it was automatically filled with sin. It was like somehow the, the demons were in the pool balls. I don't know. 
I mean, we couldn't do anything. We were, I mean, every Sunday we had to go to the altar because we all thought between Sundays we were going to hell. And we probably did stuff that if we didn't know God, we would have. Or we would have anyway because we didn't know God. I mean, I mean, you're told people still judge people by the flesh. If you, you somebody says, you know, you, they don't look like a Christian. I want to know what a Christian looks like. What do they wear, denim or do they have to wear slacks? What does a Christian look like? And then I hear these other words. Well, they're barely saved. How can you be barely saved? You're either saved or you're going to hell. You can't be barely saved. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. You might make it. We're not sure if God says, like, B31. You see what I mean? We have all these things that we measure other people. We're constantly comparing ourselves with other people. Am I as good as them? Because if I'm better than them, that means I got, I'm going to be ahead of them in line. And that by the time I get there, heaven will not be at full capacity. But I may be the last one in. And God says, that's all the houses we got. We treat God like he's not enough. He doesn't have enough. I crack up every time I drive west in this country. People running out of land. I've been in places where I was scared because there was nobody. I mean, you drive through Kansas and Wyoming and Montana, you don't think we got some room? We got some room. But we hear these things and we buy into them. And Paul goes on to say, we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done. Not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. There are a lot of people who do great things, and I admire and respect what they've done. But any of us who've experienced even a measure of success cannot boast in our flesh, but we might be able to acknowledge our obedience to Him. Nobody in this room is any better than anybody else. It, it, we try to measure by money, wealth, size of houses, and all those things. We're measuring all those things. And the reality is none of those things are going to matter when it's all said and done. I, I can't measure my... There are a lot of people I look at, I mean, and I respect highly. I mean, I, I, I look at some people and go, I, I don't think I'm that good. I mean, every now and then, I, I say things. Like you don't. You say, I don't. I know you think them. I mean, y'all dropping bombs in your mind. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sit there for a minute. You see, so I, I can look at, I, I've been pastoring a long time. I have preached around the world. I've been all over the place. And I could easily say, look at what I've done. And, I, and then I look at somebody else. I'll never forget when I was running across America in 1990. There was one particular, I'd run 17 miles every day. Some days I'd run 28. And one day I was so desperate I had to be at the White House at a certain date. And so we had an appointment. How many of you know you don't call the White House and say, hey, I think we're going to be a couple days late. So we were running a little behind. So one day I ran 42 miles. 
Yeah, Forrest Gump got all the attention, but I was the one really doing it. Tom Hakes got credit, Mark Rowe didn't. So I run 42 miles, and this was back in the day where there were newspapers, right? So I had USA Today. I read it every day. So I open up USA Today, and I, I go to this section, and I'm reading. I thought I ran 42 miles. Guess what God does? Another guy had run an ultra marathon and ran 62, and I went, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I thought I was somebody. I ran 42, and this knucklehead just ruined my day. I thought maybe I could be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Me and Forrest Gump, side by side. It's like God never lets me get by with that stuff. I mean, I wish sometimes, no, I don't, because I want more of God, less of me. And that day, I got a whole lot less of me when I realized I was not all that. And it's not like God's punishing you. It's not like God's punished me. God loved me so much, he said, I want you more than you want me. And I want you to want me more than you want me. Quit comparing yourself with other people, how good other people are. I, I hear people say, well, you know, Billy Graham, and, and I had the privilege of speaking at Billy Graham's organization and preaching in front of Oral Roberts and some of the greatest people of my day. And I thought that was a really big deal, and it was. I respected those men and spent time with them, and it was humbling being in the presence of them and Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, and so many great people. But what I realized was this. They fought the same fight I fought. They needed Jesus just as much as I needed Jesus, no matter how good they were. Now, they may have been more deeply rooted, but let me tell you, all of us come to him one way. And we come to him with our sin and our flesh and our humanity and say, God, please have grace and mercy on me. I'm a sinner. That's it. That's it. So nobody's better than you. I love the, the fact that there, there are so many people that we look at and I drive by homeless places and people and, and my heart breaks. I tell Susan all the time, I say, I know they made decisions to be here. But it doesn't hurt my heart any less to know that they're suffering right now. Never criticize someone standing on a corner begging. Never criticize. Pray for them. Every now and then, God will tell me to stop and give them something. And I hear people say, well, they'll probably just go spend it on alcohol. Well, if it numbs their pain. Who am I? To? I can't judge them. Except by grace, that's me standing on that corner. I'm not going to talk poor of them. I'm going to pray for them, and I may even help them. I don't care what they do with what I give them. I'm not responsible for what they do. I'm responsible for what I do. And if God says help them, I'm going to help them. I'm preaching to me as much as you because I have to be reminded how easy it is to be critical in our flesh and forget who we are in Christ. Nobody deserves to be criticized and everybody deserves to be loved. And I know there are people who do bad things, but there are no bad people. There are people who have been misguided. There are people who have been hurt. There have been people who have been wounded. There are people who have been grossly abused. There are all these things. And we know that. And as sad as it is, I can't fix them, but I can love them. And the Bible says love never fails. 
I know what it's like to be hated. I know what it's like to be written up around the world. I know what that's like. I know that feeling and everything in me wanted to say, you don't know the whole story. But instead, God said, shut up and I'll take care of it. You can try to defend yourself all you want, but the greatest thing you can do is quit trying to defend your behavior and start loving your God. If I asked a question in here today, all of you would have a quick response. Every one of us in here today have regrets, things we wish we hadn't done. And the devil would love nothing more then for each and every one of us to wake up every day and count those regrets. Recall those regrets. And let me tell you what that is. That is an effort for Satan to point our focus on our flesh and the mistakes we've made. And some people will be there to support him. And they'll do it in the name of God. You know, we used to have a, in the old church I went to, we had a prayer chain where people prayed for each other. And over time, religion took over and now it became the prayer chain gang. Where now we're gossiping about what everybody's done instead of praying for them to help them get over what they've done. Most people don't want to ask for prayer because they feel like you'll judge them for what they've done in the flesh instead of pray for what they're trying to do in the spirit. Greatest challenge the church has today is convincing the world that we will not judge them for the life they live. Many of you knew me when I pastored at Victory, and I read an article one day that in Oklahoma City, we had this community of strip clubs. And it sounds really bizarre, and you might think it's bizarre, but my heart went out to thinking these are somebody's daughters. So I went to our church, and I got a group of women, and I asked them, would you please go to these strip clubs? And would you take gift, gifts to all the strippers? And a whole group of them did. And every strip club but one let these women in. And they began giving them gifts. And the women didn't know what to do. Until finally they were invited to church. And they stripped on Saturday. And came on Sunday. And fortunately we had an auditorium with poles. So... Just Now, I know that's out there for some of you, but I got your attention. And they began to attend church, these women. You know why? Because we simply said, we love you. We're not here to agree or disagree with what you do, but the love of Jesus is great enough to take your flesh and apprehend it and help you become who God made you to become. Instead of an object of lust, you're going to become a child of love. Why I told that story is one of those ex-strippers is in this church today. She said, you came, your people came to where I was. And when we opened Mosaic nearly eight years ago, she found out we were here And now she's one of our key volunteers. Isn't it good what God can do with somebody? Isn't it good to know God never gives up on anybody? And our flesh wants to give up. And I'm better than you. I've never done that. I've never been as bad as you. 
You know, you never know what caused someone to go that direction. You never know. And you know what? I never met. And, and finally, when one of them would get killed or die, they would call us and ask us to do their funeral. All we did was love them. We never went in and said, you're wrong. I stood at the front door one day and greeted one. And, she, and she, I could notice she was getting better and better. And she was wanting to get out of that world. And I said, tell me what's going on. She said, well, right now I have a sugar daddy that pays for my apartment. pays for I said, what do you want to do with your life? She said, I always wanted to go to college. I said, I believe you can do it. She ended up going back to college, getting a degree, and getting out of that world. You see, sometimes it takes time. People don't change in a minute. If we won't give up on people, God never gave up on us. We must never give up on people. I know this is not a kumbaya Christmas sermon. I get that. I can't help myself because I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And somebody kept believing in me. A pastor, my pastor, the one that I went to school with, who became a pastor when he was in high school, started preaching, and he would invite me to this Bible study on Sunday morning. Not Sunday morning, during the school week. He would invite me to to this Bible study. He never gave up on me. He knew who I was, and he knew. And I would go to this Bible study before school, and I would sit there, and I would cry, but I would never do anything about it. God was pulling on my heart, and I would wipe my eyes and try to take the redness out before I went to class. Phil never quit on me. I'll never forget him. He just retired after 60 years in ministry. Made me sad because he was the kind of guy that just went around with more of God. He just kept focusing on more of God. You know, we have a job to do. And we're living in a day where God has become nothing but an option. It's like what restaurant are you going to go to? Are we going to church on Sunday? The problem with our world today is we're listening to kids who don't have enough information to know how important the decision is to serve the Lord. I'm not saying you have to come to church to go to heaven. But I'm saying if you want more of God, I think you need to be in church. I think that's important. In 1982, 45% of American people attended a weekly worship experience or a religious church, 45%. 2022, a generation later, 40 years, we're down to 36%. There's been a 9% drop. Let me tell you something. And it will only be worse if our generation doesn't show people God. You can talk about God, and that doesn't move people. But when you show people God, it changes their life. When you love somebody who doesn't feel lovable. When you give hope to somebody who's hopeless. When you show them. They will get interested. When you say I'm going to church. They'll think you're serious. Because after all. Who gets up after stripping on Saturday. And go to church at 9 on Sunday. Who does that? 
only somebody who's pretty serious about the God they're talking about. I apologize if I've been a little graphic, but most of you know that's just how it goes here. I think we, we've spoken Christianese long enough, and it's, it's a dying language. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I believe in all those things, but I don't believe they touch the heart of people who don't think it's authentic. Looking at somebody and says, I'm going to love the hell out of you. Now, that'll touch their heart. We have to understand we're trying to connect to a different world than one we grew up in. And I am not going to miss that opportunity. I am not going to allow religion to keep me from introducing people to a God who saved me from everlasting hell. I will not do it. So quit focusing on everything around you. Focus on what's going on inside you. How much do I really love God? And I have to ask myself that question when I encounter difficulty or a difficult human being. How much do I love God? Because if I really love God, the Bible says if I hate you, the love of God is not in me. So you could tell me you love God, but if you hate me or you hate somebody else, the Bible says the love of God's not in us. Hate is unacceptable. We don't have a color problem in the world. We have a hate problem in the world. That's the problem we have. We've learned to hate what doesn't look like us. We've learned to hate what doesn't act like us. We've learned to hate. And the problem is we were born to love. So there's this internal conflict in our soul. Because we're doing something we were not created to do. I want more of God. If I have more of God, then I can be more like God. But if all I try to do in my flesh is be more like God, I will never make it. My only hope is to be filled with Him. If I had two jars up here today, one had gasoline in it, one had water, they're going to pour out gasoline, they're going to pour out water. It's what's on the inside of them. I'm going to pour out what's on the inside of me. I'm just going to pour it out. I don't even have to try. Think about it. I don't even have to try. You don't have to try. If love is in you, you're going to pour out love. If hate is in you, you're going to pour out hate. You can try not to all you want, but it's, going to, it's coming out. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When somebody says something tacky and they say, I'm just kidding. I say, no, you weren't. came out of your heart. Don't be mean to people. My wife and I, have a, we have a commitment with each other. We don't call each other names. Don't you ever call me a name. I will not because I only answer to, to one name, and that's the name he gave me, child of God. Don't you call me anything else. I'll be out like a light. Why? I respect who God made me more than that. You have to respect who God made you. Don't let somebody treat you like a dog or talk to you like a dog because you're not a dog. You're the apple of his eye. And you've allowed things to be said to you 
And you keep allowing them because you don't know how much God loves you and that God has not filled you. When God has filled your life, you can't embrace those things. That's how come the Bible says be full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. I try to stay full, but every now and then I have a leak that needs to be patched. It leaks out. When somebody gossips, when somebody talks, when somebody gets negative, you say, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, it does. It pokes a hole in your soul. And you begin to leak out of the fullness of God. That's how come people get mad at me. You start getting negative around me, I'll walk away or tell you I can't talk. I'll just get positive on you. And somebody says, well, I was just venting. Go find another place to vent, baby. Because this room is filled with God. I don't need any more. You say, well, that's just rude. Okay. I call it rude in the name of Jesus. No, listen, man, stay, stay positive, stay happy, stay full of God. You can be having a bad day and nobody can even know it. That's how come there have been days. A guy used to come up every Sunday. I'd meet, he said, how you doing? And we'd start, I'm richly blessed, I'm highly favored. Empowered to prosper, walk in divine health, going from glory to glory. But with you praying for me, I know I'm going to get better. So you're just making it. No, I'm going to tell you there are days I have to say what I'm not in order to be who I want to be. Okay, I think I'm done. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. And I want to exude and and demonstrate that. And I know I don't always. But I'm extremely grateful for the chance that you've given me. Knowing that I've not always been the best person. And like you, I have fought many fights. And I know that I will fight many more fights. But I've learned how to fight better by simply saying, I will not fight what's against me. I will fight for the one who's for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only son. Thank you for giving us this incredible opportunity to live life and to honor you. And you've certainly honored us by not telling you you love us. Showing you, showing us you love us. You could have screamed out from heaven, I love you, my creation, but you didn't. You sent your only son. You didn't have another one. You sent your only son. And you let him stay here 33 years, only to be falsely accused and ultimately crucified. A perfectly innocent man. But the only way we could have a relationship with you is by the shedding of the blood of one who was perfect, and that was your son. Thank you, Jesus, for staying the course when you sweat as though they were great drops of blood. You suffered through the criticism. You suffered through brutally being nailed to a tree for me and for all people. Jesus, we thank you today. As we prepare to celebrate your birth, there's so much more to you than 
a little innocent baby in a manger. There was a warrior laying there. A savior laying there that day. There was a king in that cradle. But you had to go through a lot to get to the crown. Thank you for not wavering, for not quitting. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask all of you to pray this prayer with me. And pray it like you mean it. Pray it with a loud voice. Don't whisper it. Well, I'm afraid somebody will hear me. I hope somebody hears you. I hope it's so loud that this recording picks it up for those who will watch this sermon later in the week or later in the year or early next year. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I thank you for your grace. I declare today I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, those of you watching online right now, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. There will be a template there. Fill that out, a digital template. Fill it out. We'll be praying for you. Those of you in-house, if you prayed that prayer, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage in a moment. As everybody else is leaving, you can simply make your way over and say, Today I gave my life to Jesus. One of our prayer team members will pray with you. They will not counsel you. They will not direct you. They will simply pray for you and ask God to give you strength to walk out the choice you've made. Okay? And also, there will be communion available. If you want them to serve you, they will. Or if you just want to receive it with your spouse or a friend or by yourself, you can do that as well. At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. And I want you to listen very carefully. These people aren't leaving because they're mad at me. They're going out to prepare to greet you when you leave. So don't get up and follow them. They're not bad people. They love me. Yeah, Dave, go take care of business. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, some of you know, after, right after this service, we have a lift right outside here. Uh, we've hired a company. They're going to come in and totally redo our stage. Uh, not this stage, but the media and audio portion of this is going to be totally revamped. If you were here last Easter, you may recall we had this incredible presentation on the big screen of Jesus being drawn. It was so beautiful, so moving, that we will now own the equipment to make that happen every Sunday if we want to. So that's happening right after this service. So as you prepare to give today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this. One guy in our church called me. I went and had dinner with him, and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I will match every dollar that comes in. He said, if 20000 comes in, I'll write you a check for $20,000. So up to after today, we've had approximately 20 come in. I would like to see 30 because the entire project is $70,000. There's still air in the room. Uh, and you say, why would you do it? Because I believe in what I preach today. That in order to reach a world that has all the bells and whistles, and you can disagree with me if you want, but I will do anything short of sin to see this world born again. And so we, we've, we're revamping everything. And so today, if you want to give toward that project, put, put media, put 
whatever you want to let us know, and that money will go toward that. I will give him the end result of that, and he will write us a check to match all of that. So if you want to do that today, you can do it online. I would suggest maybe use an offering envelope and just put it in there on your way out there at the, at, as you exit. Uh, but your help would be appreciated. But let me just tell you this. I have incredible faith for this project. And when I made the decision to do it, we had zero. And I said, we're doing this, and if I have to close, I'll close. We're doing this because I want to reach people. And so those of you who can help, thank you for giving over and above. This is not to replace your tithe because the tithe goes to OG&E. No, I'm just kidding. It's like, but in operating costs and other things. So you can put your phone on the QR code. It will take you to a giving site. Or you can text the word GIVE to 405-546-2226. And it will walk you through how to set up that debit card or credit card. It's very simple. If I can do it, promise you can. And so that's how Susan and I give every week that we give. Uh, also, you can give on the way out, or you can go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give, or you can write it to, and send it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, 73132, right here in Oklahoma City, or you can give in the buckets on the way out. If this is your first time here, we have a gift for you at the Welcome Kiosk if you would like to stop and uh, pick that up, and uh, you can do so. Also, if you want to serve, this is going to be something I'm going to be talking about in January, is the power of service and the power of serving, and it's very important. I won't make a whole series out of it probably unless God tells me to, at which time I will not apologize. So anyway, uh, I want you to know that, that if you want more in 24, you reap what you sow. If you give time to God, you will reap time from God. If you give time serving, you'll reap time being served. If you give love, you'll reap love. If you, I mean, the list goes on. And so I want to encourage you, get involved. If you want to serve, you can text the word serve to that number on the screen, 405-500-1310. Get plugged in. You can say, I'm a sinner. Good, you can join all of the other sinners that are serving. <laughs> I guess some of y'all are serving going, Pastor, you just called us sinners. Well, we all kind of do. And so, well, yeah, and some of you go, I do not. Therein lies the sin. Okay, so. We want you involved. We want you participating and experiencing God. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage right now. And uh, let's stand to our feet. For those of you new to this, we go out with a shout of hallelujah. I was a youth pastor for many years. Had a 1,000 kids in my youth group. So you can only imagine how loud it was. And so I just always catered to that. And the kids loved it. And I just kept it for adults because some of y'all like to shout. And if you shout here, you won't have to shout at your spouse when you get home. All right. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.